Welcome to Christchurch Chislehurst Podcast. This podcast is given by Dave and it tells us what we should do on the Sabbath. Concept of Sabbath means to you today and whether you were able to practice it and you know as we heard from Gemma and Adrian, I should think that's fairly typical of a lot of people today um, juggling lots of different responsibilities. I'll come back to that in a minute. And also the fact that our our culture doesn't really do Sabbath, does it? You know, we're probably, some of us old enough to remember all the debates going on about Sunday opening and how how long the shop should be open. Well, that seems like a distant memory now. Should shops be allowed to be open on a Sunday? Just, it's no different really from any other day of the week for most people, is it? Um, But my guess is that in your discussions, possibly words like rest, day off, maybe worship came up, but like me, you might struggle to really embrace the importance of it because it is so counter-cultural. And the passage we're looking at today shows Jesus and the disciples in the midst of a really hectic, busy ministry. I mean, both sections of that passage in Mark really show just how busy, how how intense Jesus' ministry was. But in the middle of all of that, rather than just rushing around from one place to the next, which seems to come across in some ways in Mark's Gospel because it is the most fast-moving of the four Gospels, you get this phrase that Jesus says to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And for some of you who haven't stopped for a while, that might be... Jesus' message to you this morning, come away and have some quiet time with me, with Jesus, and get some rest. Um, next, oh, thank you. Um, for all of us, the truth of that statement from Jesus is that when we're busy and in demand from others, we, we, it's a good thing to think about this concept of Sabbath and rest. And I'm aware that I'm speaking to a group of people, probably like in most churches where There are retired folk who may be just as busy (laughs) as the folk who are in paid employment, you know, looking after perhaps grandchildren or doing lots of voluntary work in the church or outside of the church. You might even still be caring for, you know, we're in this kind of odd situation. People are living so long now that even those who've got grandchildren might still be caring for elderly relatives and, you know, caring for multi-generations. We've also got, you know, young parents here who are caring for young children and trying both of you working to try and pay a mortgage and you know a bit like Gemma and Adrian's situation it's 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 complicated it's complex and there's lots of different demands and the last thing you want the vicar to do on a Sunday is to say on top of everything else I want you to keep a Sabbath one day a week and you're going oh for goodness sake leave me alone (laughs) that's not what I want to do this morning is to give you add to your to-do list But the reality is that in order to live a healthy life, a life of wholeness and purpose in Christ, there has to be an element of Sabbath built into it. Theologian and monk uh, Thomas Merton said this, there is a pervasive form of contemporary violence, activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, 
to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. And I've never heard it described like that before. We've not been, you know, we're, we're, we're doing ourselves in. It kills the root of inner wisdom which makes work fruitful. That's quite something to take in, isn't it? That we're being violent to ourselves if we're just taking on far too much. Jesus had three years of ministry in which to teach and show the work of the kingdom of God in signs and wonders, teaching throughout the entire nation of Palestine. And he, you know, he, he often said, I'm not called beyond that. I'm called to the, the lost sheep of Israel. I can't do it all. You know, even Jesus knew what his boundaries were. Three, year, three years to go around Palestine. And once this ministry began, when he was 30, he was extraordinarily in demand. Mark 6 tells us that there were so many people coming and going that he and the disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. So Jesus says to them, we need to get away somewhere quiet for a rest. In fact, what we learn, as you've been listening to the story, is that they head off on a boat to a secluded area only to find that the people on the shore were going, there they are, there they are, watch, if we run around the, the shoreline, we'll be able to get there first. So when they land in this supposedly quiet place, and there's a whole bunch of people there uh, already. And then we get the story, if you were to read the whole chapter, but in the middle of that is the story of the feeding of the 5,000, because then Jesus then ministers to people, even though they're tired and they're hungry, Jesus then says, look, let's make sure these people have got something to eat. But after this, and we did just saw that verse there, and verse 46, Jesus, after the feeding of the 5,000, we're told he goes off on his own to a mountainside to pray. And throughout the Gospels, we get this pattern of behavior from Jesus, a rhythm to his life and ministry, where even when, or perhaps particularly when he's busy, he takes time out to be with, Jesus, uh, to be with God, be with the Father. He goes up a mountainside to pray. We find that in Mark chapter 1, huge crowds are making demands of him. You know, he's suddenly become incredibly popular. But verse 35 in chapter 1 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. And the disciples weren't very impressed by this because he was probably up there for quite a while. And they said, and verse 37, you get, Where have you been? All these people are waiting for you. And Jesus said, well, let's move on to the next village. He wasn't phased by that, the fact that there were these huge expectations from the community about what Jesus should be doing. He said, no, I need to go and rest. I need to go and spend some time with God. We get the same in Luke chapter 4. At daybreak, Jesus went off to a solitary place. The people, it says the people were looking for him. Now, where are you? You're meant to be helping us. No, I'm going to go and pray. <laughs> and then in Matthew 11, we get these wonderful words, don't we? That we're probably all familiar with and heard before. I remember writing this on my, I've got a little whiteboard in my study a couple of months ago. I just had to write this on the whiteboard to remind myself of these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And part of the problem 
was that this whole concept of Sabbath had been hijacked by the religious leaders of the time, by the Pharisees, as a way of trapping people into so many restrictions, talk about restrictions that we're facing today, restrictions on the Sabbath day in first century Palestine, you just weren't allowed to do anything. So even helping someone on the Sabbath was seen as a sinful behaviour because it was regarded as work. So Jesus deliberately set out to uh, break the rules that the Pharisees had set out. So he would, he would deliberately, in public, find someone that needed healing and do it on the Sabbath day to say, look, Sabbath was not created for you to obey a set of rules. The Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. He got into a lot of trouble for that, as we know. And if we want any more biblical reasons to consider why the idea of Sabbath and rest are so important, we don't need to look any further than the Ten Commandments, do we? Where the keeping of Sabbath is commandment number four. And in fact, it's got the longest bit of writing attached to it. Don't do any work. Don't let your servants do any work. Don't let your animals do any work. Rest, because that's what God did. So let's just have a little think for the, for the remainder of our time this morning about why this is important to us and, and how it kind of applies in this really complex, complicated 21st century Western society. Well, the first thing to say is that taking breaks, taking rest, is good for us. Now, that does seem to be the message that's coming out a bit more, even though you know, our consumer society says, carry on working, carry on buying, carry on getting, carry on moving. You know, there is more and more research to suggest that when we take a break from our work, it's quite a healthy thing to do. And that's because it's a God-ordained idea. We need to remind ourselves when we rest, it boosts the immune, immune system, it reduces stress, encourages creativity. And if we can sleep well and get some exercise when we're not working, it's good for us, body, mind and spirit. And incidentally, it's interesting, isn't it, that the, the sequence of days of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, you've got day 6, human beings are created. Adam and Eve are created on day 6. And they're raring to go, because God said you're going to name all the animals and all the plants and everything else. Great. Can't wait to do it. So day 7, what's day 7? Day of rest. So they wake up on day seven, come on God, what are we going to do? And God goes, no, it's a day of rest. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to do anything today. It's a day of rest. Okay, doesn't. but there's a principle there in that story in Genesis that we go to work after we've rested, that we work out of a place of rest and that the rest is the, the important bit that happens first and then we go to work out of that. So instead of saying, I'm going to work until I'm completely flat on my face and I've run out of energy and I'm almost dead, you know, then I'll maybe take a break. But actually, when does that work ever stop? For lots of us, the work never stops. There's always more to do. Whereas God's saying, no, work out of a place of rest. But everybody's patterns of rest and Sabbath will look different in our 21st century Western society. Lots of people, including me, work on a Sunday. <laughs> So it, it's not straightforward to say every Sunday you should be, and you know, Adrian and Gemma alluded to that, it's not, it's not as straightforward as it might have been 50 or 100 years ago in our contemporary society. We have to, we have to find creative ways of doing Sabbath. And, you know, as, as they described as a family, 
maybe doing Sabbath together by finding a way of worshipping at home, which I know that they, they have been doing. That's come across in the videos that we've seen over the recorded services. Find ways of introducing patterns of rest and worship in, in creative ways, in different ways, even if it's just kind of a, a couple of hours at a time or an afternoon out. Say, so you know what, I'm going to stop for a couple of hours and just, just be, just be in God's presence. Just go for a walk. Just switch off, switch off my phone, you know. And there's something very important about the spiritual, important, uh, the spiritual impact of uh, Sabbath. And Eugene Peterson, if you get time to read any of his stuff, he's written extensively about the importance of Sabbath. And he said, uh, I like this phrase, it's a workshop for the practice of eternity. What does he mean by that? Well, think about how much of our week is driven by deadlines, the need to keep looking at our watch or our phones, I've got to be somewhere in an hour. I've got to do this at four o'clock. I've got to do this at 10 o'clock. Everything's driven by time and deadlines and rushing from one thing to the next. Have you ever taken a break where you just took your watch off or you switched off your phone? Ever, anyone ever been on a holiday like that where you just said, I'm not going to worry about what time it is? And Eugene Peterson says, when we can do that regularly, we're, we're, we're tapping into eternity. We're, it's a workshop for the practice of eternity, just being able to switch off. You see, God is not time-bound. God exists in eternity outside of the restrictions of time. And when we stop and rest, we begin to take hold of something of the, the eternal nature of what God is like. And our identity isn't completely about what we do. You know, we are human beings before we are human doings. Now, often we, when we first thing we do when we meet somebody in a social occasion is, oh, what do you do? But actually, we're human beings. We're, we're caught, we just love for who we are by God. And Sabbath is about ceasing from our work so that what we do ceases to be the most important thing that we just become, you know, sometimes people are so busy and so focused on their work that it's, it, if that were to be taken away from them, that, that role that I did, that, you know, what, who is the person underneath that? Sometimes we might ask that question, <laughs> who am I? When that, all of that is taken away. Pete Scazzaro, who um, wrote the Emotionally Healthy Leadership, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, of course, is very, very um, keen on this idea of Sabbath. It says, when balanced by a Sabbath rhythm, work takes its proper place as a, as a good, not as a God. So work is good, but when it becomes the only thing that, that defines us, then it becomes a God. And it doesn't have to be a Sunday. For many people, it can't be a Sunday if you're working shift work, if you've got you know, young children, there may be other days when you just say, I'm just going to take some time out not necessarily the whole day. And Sabbath is a gift from God in order to receive his love and experience him in a way that's different from the rest of the week. And again, Eugene Peterson would say that we receive something from God in a different way when we're resting because it reminds us that the world does not revolve around, the world's not going to stop turning when I stop work. You know, things will keep going. 
God's big enough to keep the world running when we stop and have a rest. The Ten Commandments, where we have this fourth commandment about rest, were born out of this newfound freedom of the Hebrews who had escaped slavery in Egypt, and they were brought into the, into the wilderness and given the Ten Commandments. But in Egypt, they never got to rest. And that's made clear in, in Deuteronomy. You know, you, you, you've been given this gift of Sabbath because for 400 years in Egypt, you were not allowed to have a day off. That's quite a long time, isn't it? So suddenly, God's giving them this gift of Sabbath rest. And many of us succumb to that voice in our modern culture. Maybe it's not that different from Egypt that says, you haven't got time to rest. You haven't got time to stop. And actually God would say, if you don't, you're not going to be productive anymore. You're not going to be creative. And you're not going to be in touch with me. And I have found, actually, sometimes in my busiest weeks or my busiest days, the temptation not to stop and pray and rest is there. But when I said, look, I feel like I can't afford to have time to do this, but when I've then taken time to stop and rest and pray, the rest of the day, just suddenly, everything seems to fit into place in, in just perfectly. Whereas when I think, right, I've got a list of 10 things to do, I haven't got time to pray, I'm just going to, then it all becomes messed up and difficult and stressful and I'm not very creative and I'm getting tired. But when I take that time to stop and rest and pray and then work out the place of rest and prayer, it's so much more productive, so much more creative and it's so much more fun as well. <laughs> just find a lot of the stress just disappears. So there is something about God saying, look, if you stop and rest, I will strengthen you and I'll, I'll look after the day for you. Do it, work with me. That's what Jesus is saying in that passage in Matthew, isn't it? Take my yoke upon you. And the, 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 the whole picture of that was um, they used to yoke together a young oxen with an older one. The older one would know about the right sort of pace to walk up and down the field. Not too fast. The, the younger one would be desperate to, to move on ahead. Come on, we've got this work to do. They'd, they'd yoke the two oxen together. The older one would take a steady, slow pace and get the work done. The younger one would be desperate to move ahead, but they'd yoke it with the older one so that it would know the right pace. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. Work with me, and I'll show you the right pace to walk at. So you're not running ahead and wearing yourself out. It's a powerful picture. Final quote this morning. Walter Brueggemann said, Sabbath becomes a decisive, concrete, visible way of opting for and aligning with the God of rest. Sabbath becomes a decisive, concrete, visible way of opting for and aligning with the God of rest. And okay, for most of us probably Perhaps for all of us, it can't be a 24-hour period when we stop, like it might have been for an Orthodox Jew. But if we can just take some time out, a couple of times a week, maybe an hour a day, maybe an afternoon a week, maybe half a day a week, something like that. Just intentionally think, how is this going to work for my schedule so that I'm not just driven by all the demands, all the expectations, and that feeling that, my work's never finished. 
Just say, okay, just put that work on hold for a minute. No, of course it won't ever finish. But actually God's calling us to rest and to be with him. So I think, I think it would be good before we pray, and I'm going to get into groups to pray about a few things this morning, but I think we should just sit in silence. Okay, this is probably the coolest building you're going to be in today, and for lots of, in lots of ways. I mean, it's a cool place to be, obviously. But coolest temperature-wise, let's just sit in silence. You might want to just close your eyes. And let the God of rest minister to you this morning. And just maybe you don't just want to hand over all the, you know, your open hands, just hand over to God all the stuff that you've got to do. Just give it to him.